I'm going to ask if you can stand with me this morning. We're going to pray together all across this place. Jesus, would you pour out your love on us today? Jesus, I pray that not one person would leave this room questioning the love of the Father. But I pray that you would open our hearts supernaturally to receive more of your love, to be able to take in, to receive more of your goodness, your love that abounds towards us. Lord, may we today know the depths, the abundant depths, the copious nature of your love. You are love. I pray, Lord, that today that you would catch us off guard. Catch us unaware, Lord. Maybe there are those, Lord, in this room today that have never experienced your love. They've never tasted. Lord, I pray that you'd catch them off guard today, Lord. That you'd show up, Lord, in an unusual way. They'd taste, taste of your love. Lord, that they'd get a taste of the very atmosphere of heaven today, of your love. In Jesus' name, I want everyone to pray, Dear Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. In your precious name, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Can we give Jesus praise? We're in Seek First series. Last week was the Seek First, uh, First Things First. Um, before that, Heather, you know, first things, the gospel first. The week before that, Heather preached on seek first the kingdom of God. I want to talk about putting his love first today. The first and the great commandment. Before I do that, I was reading in Ephesians chapter 4, and it, it's my prayer for you today. Paul prayed, he said, this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14 and Starting in verse 14, he says, From the, whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is my prayer for you today, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Say that with me, rooted and grounded in love. I'll give you another chance. Rooted and grounded in love. Yeah. That's my prayer today for you, that you will be rooted, that you'll be grounded, you'll be established in the love of God, that you may be able to comprehend all with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height. You can know the expanse. My prayer for you today is that you'll know the expanse of God's love. You know, you and I, you know, most of you in the room, you've, you've tasted of the love of God. You've been, in, you've been in the house of the Lord. You've, 
you're born again, you know his presence, you've experienced his love, but my prayer for you today is that somehow, by the mercy of God, that you will be able to expand today and increase today your experience and your understanding and, and the, the, the depth of God's love in your life. That there's more of his love than what you have experienced to this point. You might be here in this place and think, well, pastor, I've experienced quite a bit of his love. But there's yet more for you to know and to dive into. There's more for you to know of his love. There's more of his fullness to taste of. And you might find yourself here today on the other end of that spectrum saying, pastor, I've never experienced the love of God. I've never seen it. I've never tasted it for myself. And friend, I want to say to you today, it's his love that has brought you to this place today. It's his love that sat your bottom in the seat today. It's his love that's tuned in on the webinar, on the, on the Zoom, or whatever it is that we're watching on online. It's his love. It's his love that's compelled you in. It's his love that's, that's seen to it that you would hear this podcast. It's his love, however you see or experience it today. God, today, it's his love that's brought you in. And Paul wrote, he said, I want you to know. He said, I want you to comprehend with the saints the height, the depth, the length of his love. Verse 19, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. I want you to know something that's of eternal nature. Paul's saying, I want you to understand the love of God this love is eternal. This love of God, it is who he is. It's his very essence. John wrote, for God is love. And as we talk about this love, the love of the Father, it is his very essence. It's the nature of who he is. Just like our, our body, we say our, you know, our body is made up of water and all the various compounds. God is made up of love. The very essence of who he is, is love. And, and Paul writes, I want you to know and comprehend with all the saints something that can never be fully comprehended. I, I want you to know something that cannot ever be fully understood. We'll spend eternity upon eternity upon eternity diving in to the expanse of the love of God. How great it is his love. And Paul says, I want you to know this, but it surpasses knowledge. I want you to know this, but it surpasses knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. My prayer for you today is that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. That you'll be filled with the fullness of God. That, that you'll be filled to your your ability to receive today. And I pray that your ability to receive will be expanded today. And as you receive his love and take in his love and are expanded by his love, the outflow of his love out of your life, pouring into the lives of others, will create a, a, a need for more of his love. And you'll find yourself diving in to the irresistible, eternal love of God again and again and again as you pour out his love on others and you'll receive more of his love and you'll pour out more of his love you'll take him I, I pray that today you're you will be expanded in his love as you receive and as you pour out amen
in Mark chapter 13, excuse me, Mark chapter 12, and verse 28 is where we're going to head today. Jesus is asked by one of the scribes, if, let me pause there for a moment. There were multiple groups of people that we see that were always asking Jesus questions. And they always wanted to know uh, various things. The Pharisees, the Sadducees were always uh, trying to attack Jesus and trip him up and, and, and question his ministry, question his authority. But then we find this other group of, of people known as the scribes. And the scribes were responsible for writing and studying and interpreting uh, scriptures. And so here they, that one of the scribes has been perplexed and amazed by Jesus and his teaching and how he handles the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the scribe has come to him, having heard the reasoning, the Bible says in verse 28 of Mark 12, having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that Jesus had answered them well. So the scribe had heard Jesus respond to the questions of the Pharisees and the scribes, and he comes to Jesus because he felt like Jesus was answering the questions well. And so he asked, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Jesus is approached by this, by this scribe who is wanting to understand more about the greatest commandment. He wasn't asking Jesus which is the first commandment of all chronologically. He was asking which of the commandments takes the priority. Out of all of the commandments, out of all of the things commanded in Scripture, which is the priority for us to follow? For ages, they had tried to figure out who, or, or excuse me, which of the, of the commandments were the greatest to follow, which, which was the best commandment, which was the greatest, on which all things were hinged. Hillel, one of the rabbis before Jesus, would teach that he actually taught, don't do anything to anyone else you don't want them to do to you. Sound familiar? Jesus, of course, taught that from a different perspective, but the concept was the same. Hillel, the rabbi, even said, uh, on, on this, on this truth, hinges all of the scripture, all of the commandments. Well, when, when the scribe came to Jesus, he had that understanding, and he wanted to know what was the greatest commandment. And Jesus' response here is interesting. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now I know that probably no one in the room, or very few if any, have a Jewish background, but this is a direct reference to the Shema, 
The Shema was a prayer that the Israelites, the Jewish people, would pray twice a day. This was a, a direct, uh, the prayer was directly from De Deuteronomy chapter 6. Shema meaning hear or to listen. It was a summons to listen to who God is. We find it in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So when Jesus said the first and the greatest commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He immediately was taking them back to the Shema, the prayer from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 that says, Hear, O Israel. I'm going to read it for you. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Jesus immediately took them back to the prayer that they were to pray twice a day and reminded them, first and foremost, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The love of God first must be understood in the context of that verse, of that phrase. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Here in this verse, we understand, we see the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the three of us are one. The Lord our God is one. And in this divine relationship, in this divine trinity, the unity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we see this immeasurable, eternal outpouring of supernatural love, the very essence of who God is portrayed in the triune God. I want you to just close your eyes and, and just picture with me for a moment this, this wonderful dance, this wonderful scene of love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. From eternity past, the, the three of them in perfect Harmony. There was never any point, there was never any period of time where they were in disunity, they didn't love one another, but they were in perfect harmony. This great dance of love between the three of them. If you fast forward, you can look at me, if you fast forward to creation day where the Father says to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, let us make man. We see this wonderful triune God involved in creation. We see, we see God speaking light into creation. We see God speaking the world into creation. And we see God form man out of the dust of the ground. We see the Holy Spirit brooding, hovering over the waters of the deep. We see Jesus performing. In John chapter 1, we see that all things that were made were made by him, that the word became flesh, and we beheld him, John said. This word that became flesh, the word of God, was involved in creation. We see the three of them so in love, so perfectly in harmony and unity from the very beginning of creation. We see it in the eternity past. And we see it here in this verse. Behold, the Lord our God is one. 
If you want to understand the depths of his love, it first comes by diving in to the nature of God. You know, in our nature, we don't have the ability to love as God loves. We don't, we don't have the ability to love God, as Jesus said, to love him first and foremost with all of our strength, with all of our understanding, with all of our heart, with all of our soul. We don't have in our own selves the ability to love God as he deserves. Did you hear me this morning? We don't have the ability to, to dive into the depths of loving God in such a way. But this, when we see Him, this wonderful God, this triune God, the Lord our God is one. And we behold Him and we saturate in this love. Can you think of the day where God arrested you with His love? Can you remember the, the first time that God arrested you by His love? Can you remember a, a day where you faced a challenge or a hardship and you were surprised by the love of the, of the Father? You were surprised by the love of God. He caught you off guard. He surprised you with His love? Can you think about a time where God captured you in his love? We're unable to love him in the way that he deserves, but we can rest in this love that he's pouring out so freely upon you and I. If we are to love God as Jesus commanded here, it must first Begin with a, real, uh, a realization, a revelation of who God is and allow Him to change you and transform you. You know, we can, we can bind and cast things out and, and talk about the darkness and do all of those things, but until we allow the light in, until we allow the light of God to saturate us, it does no good to cast it out, drive it out, speak it out, bind it up. We have to have the light of God saturating our souls. You know, there's, there, we can talk all day about the love of God and, and the love that drove Jesus to the cross. We can talk all day about the love that compelled Jesus, the Son of God, to empty himself of all of his authority, all of his glory, to empty himself and take on the nature of a human man, the creator of all things, to, to lay aside his splendor and glory in heaven and to take on the nature of a human man. We can talk about the love that, that caused him not only to condescend his glory, humble himself, take on that nature, but we can talk about the love of God that drove him to have compassion on the crowds. We can talk about the love of God that, that, that drove him to be moved with compassion for those who were like sheep without a shepherd. We can talk about his love that drove him to lay hands on the demon-possessed and to set them free. We can, we can talk about the love that drove Jesus to touch the lepers, to touch those who were unclean, to say to the woman caught in adultery, your sins are forgiven. We could talk about love that compelled the Savior to minister to the broken, to minister to the lost. 
We can talk about his love that drove him to Calvary, the love that drove him to the beating post, the love that drove him to have nails uh, dug into his skin, piercing his, his, his uh, nerves and his skin and bleeding, pouring out his blood, pouring out uh, himself. We can talk about the love of Jesus that drove him to the cross. But until you experience that love for yourself, you're still a sinner. You're still in darkness. You can hear a great message, a great sermon about his love. You can hear great messages about the love of Jesus. But until you've tasted his love for yourself, Until, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit sheds abroad in your heart the love of God. It's just words on a page. It's just words in the air. But when the Holy Spirit takes that reality, the spirit of love, that great spirit of love, the Holy Spirit takes that that infinitely eternal, indescribable love and begins to drop little by little by little drops of this eternal love into your heart until that day happens. It's just words, but when that day happens, it's like the light of eternity has shone on the darkness of your soul. All of a sudden, the darkness of this world is driven back by one drop of his love. And Paul says, I want you to know the expanse of that love. Jesus said, this love, this is the greatest commandment, that you love God with everything in you. How can we love a God who is love? How can you, how can we love, how can we love a God who is so infinitely and perfectly, unendingly love? Everywhere he goes is love. Everything that he does is love. He's motivated by love. Everything that he says is oozing and dripping with love. His very paths, the Bible says, drip with abundance. It's the love that his pathways, his walkways drip with love. How can we love a God who is of indescribable love? I wish somebody would help me this morning. How how can we love a God who is so perfectly, so holy in his love? There's no one else like him. There's no one else like his love. You can search all day to find a relationship, to find a person, to find a Facebook friend, to find an a, a Instagram friend who will love you like Jesus, and you'll never find anything like his love. You'll never find anything like his love. How do you love a God who has love like this? How do you find how how do you find love in your heart in your life to love a God who saw you in despair who saw your brokenness who saw your hopelessness who saw your sin you were yet enemies with God and he loved you how can you love a God who says you're my enemy but I will make you my son or my daughter 
How do you love a God like that? How do you love a God like that? Oh, that's what the world will tell you. Just do another thing. Just obey him. Just do another thing. Just check the box. Do the right thing. But how is that possible in our broken human state? It's not, friend. It's not possible. It's not possible to obey him enough. It's not possible to love him enough. It's not possible to check the box enough. Until, until that day that the Holy Ghost sheds abroad in your heart this wonderful love. Until the Holy Ghost comes, it's impossible. Church will tell you that you've got to do enough to love Him. Religion will tell you that you've got to strive enough. You've got to check all the boxes. If you want to show God that you love Him, you got to do all the right things. And friend, that will lead you to bondage. It will lead you to nothing but bondage. You'll always be trying to earn your Father's love. You can't earn it, but you can receive it. You can't earn it. You can't earn his love. You cannot earn his love. Some of you in this room this morning, you've been trying. You've been trying to earn his love. You've been trying to earn his affection. You've been trying to earn the approval of your father. But he loves you. He loves you immensely. He loves you perfectly. He loves you permanently. There's absolutely nothing that you could do to drive away the love of God for you. He's been chasing you down, pursuing you before you were ever born. In your mother's womb, the Bible says that he knew you. He appointed you. He's been chasing after you. Oh, the love of God. How, how can you love of God so perfectly? You know, in Jesus Christ Superstar, there's a song that Mary sings, I don't know how to love him. Mary Magdalene, possessed by devils, successful businesswoman, but tormented. Until the day love showed up. Until the day that love walked in her room. Until the day love walked into her space. Perfect love cast out all fear. Every demon was gone. Every hurt was gone. One moment in his love. And in that song, I don't know how to love him. In, the, in Jesus Christ Superstar, I was trying to describe how do you love, how do you love someone who so much love? How do you begin to love in, in my, inf, in my uh, finite self, in my broken self, in my fleshly nature, how can I begin to love him? Jesus said, the first of all the commandments. Hear, O Israel. Hear, people, today. 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. To know the love of the Father and to love Him as Scripture commands requires that you know Him, the Lord our God, as one. And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Our heart, the center of our emotions, our passions. The Bible says that we are to guard our heart, for out of it flows the wellspring of life. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. David saying, Search my heart, O God. Know my ways. Know the thoughts, the intentions, the meditations of my heart. Let them be pleasing to you. You see, our heart is more than just our emotional center. Our heart is where we receive information and begin to process and understand who we are, what our passions are, and and understand the world around us. It happens in our heart, this place that Jesus said, first and foremost, we should love God with all of our heart. Do our emotions express our love for God? Do your emotions declare the love that you have for God? Or do your emotions talk of and speak of worry or fears or things that you love in this world more than Him? Does the center of your heart and the passions of who you are, are they passionate for Him? Do you have affections that are tuned into God? Behold, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He wants to be the Lord God over your heart. The great litmus test of what you love out of your heart is seen in what you say. It's heard by the words that come out of your mouth. If you love God, your words will be affected because your heart has seated Him as the Lord of all of your heart. Jesus said to love God with all of your heart. How do you know if He's Lord of all of your heart? Listen to what you say. Does love flow out of your words? Does love flow out of what you speak? Does love begin to flow out of of the things that come out of your mouths as you interact with one another? Does love flow out in worship? Does love flow out in your prayer? Does love flow out as you pray in the Spirit? You know, it's, it's, it's really, you, you, can, you can pray really religious, pious prayers that have no love. You can sing songs that have no love. You can preach sermons that have no love. You can, you can minister on the streets. You can see signs and wonders. You can prophesy. You can pray in the Spirit. You can speak in tongues and have no love. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, you can prophesy. You can pray in the Spirit. You can speak in tongues. You can do all of it. But if you have not Love your clanging brass. 
He tells us that these three remain, and the greatest of these is what? Love. So out of your heart ought to flow love. And the way for love to flow out of the words that you say and for love to flow out of your heart in your relationship with others, you must love God with all of your heart. I understand that as I stand here today, I am by no means the perfect example of someone who loves God with all of their heart. I can assure you that there are areas of my heart that still have to fall in love with Jesus a little bit more. I, I can assure you that as I stand before you, I, for one, am not perfect in loving God with all of my heart. Because I say things that are not in love. I, I say things that, I pray things, I speak things that are not in love. And so I have to say, God, I need to love you more with more of my heart. I, I, need, I need my heart to fall in love with you more. I need my emotions to fall in love with you more. I need my passions to fall in love with you more. You know, and as the Lord, as you do that, he's so gracious. And he comes in a gentle way and begins to show you Here's what's preventing you from loving me more. Here's the fear that's keeping you from my love. Here's the, here's the worry. Here's the emotion. Here's the thing in your heart that's keeping that area from loving me more. Here's why you say what you say. Here's why your passions aren't aligned. He's so gracious. And so tender in his love to gently tell us as our good shepherd, you need to love me more in this area of your heart. And what that means for you and I is that we surrender to the love. What that means for you and I is instead of running, you know, maybe your past, maybe your history tells you you need to run Maybe your experience tells you that God could never love you. You're not valuable enough. You're not worthy enough. You've messed it up. You've blown it too much. And history tells you you need to run for your life because when he starts pointing out these areas of hurt, these areas of brokenness, these areas of stubbornness and rebellion, it your fear kicks in, your pride kicks in, your fleshly nature kicks in, and you want to run, run out of his presence, run out of his love. But I want to tell you today, friend, don't run from the love of the Father. Surrender to him. Surrender that area. The reason that your heart is not fully loving God as it ought might be because you've spent so long running from him when all he wants to do is just love on you. Remember the God who created you. We talked about Genesis chapter 1. Remember the God, the triune God, who formed and fashioned you out of the dust of the ground. 
He created every detail of your life, every genetic sequence, every bit of DNA, every fingerprint, every molecule, every atom of your body. He created it and formed it perfectly, just according to His plan. This love, this love, wants the fullness of your heart. This love wants the fullness of your heart. Nothing held back. Nothing restrained. He wants all so that He can fill you with all of His fullness. He wants to fill you with all of His fullness. So love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, your spirit man, your internal, this is, this is who you really are, your spirit man, the core, the essence of who you really are. You're in a, you're in a fleshly body. You're in a fleshly body. But your spirit man, the core of who you are, In Matthew, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. It's easy, it's light. You'll find rest. He said, rest for your souls. Rest for your life. The word that's used here for soul in the Greek is the same word. It's interpreted as the core or the essence of your life. That God wants you and the core, the essence of your life to be saturated in his love. He wants his, the, the very essence of who you are to be saturated in Him. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 and verse 35, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. That word life, it's the word for your soul. It's for the essence. It's the core of who you are. It's your purpose. It's your identity. It's who God's made you to really be. In this world in which we live, people pursue trying to find who they are, the core, the essence, their identity of who they are outside of Christ. And can I tell you, it will never be enough until you love the Lord your God with all of your soul with all of your identity, with all of your essence, pursuit of identity and the things of this world it will never be enough. Pursuit of your identity and what you do, the job you have, the roles you play in this life, it will never be enough. How many preachers find their identity in their pulpit? How many singers find their identity in their microphone? How many people in their pews find their identity in the seat that they sit on week after week or the service they offer week after week in church? That's not your identity. That's not who you were created to be. That might be what you do, but it's not who you are. The essence of who you are cannot be discovered until you fall in love with Jesus. Until you love God with all of your soul. When you find 
that you love God with all of your soul. You understand that you are not your own. We live in a world that is culture will tell you that you are your own. There's, it's, it's plastered all over right now. My body is my own. It's all over. Don't get mad at me. It's everywhere. I want to tell you something. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. You are not your own. You are bought with a very, 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 very precious price. And it was the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus. And what this world has done is tried to find identity and value and worth in something outside of Jesus. And it never works. It never works. But when you love God with all of your soul, when you love Him with all of your soul, who you are, your whole being, everything about you, you recognize it's all His. The, from the passions of my heart to the purposes of my soul. Jesus said in, in John chapter 7, out of your belly, out of your innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. He's speaking of your inner man, your spirit man, out of your inner man, out of the life, out of the essence of who you are. You see, the world doesn't understand these, these biblical concepts. They'll, they'll never understand them until the, the light of God's glory dawns in their heart. But for you and I as believers, we understand this truth, that who we are, our purpose, our passions, the core of our life, not just life, the breathing and heart beating. Your life has nothing to do with the breath in your lungs and the heart that's beating. That is all part of your flesh. It's a part of this body. You, this body, that heart, that, those lungs, the blood flowing through your veins, it's all going to turn to dust one day. But you, my friend, will still be very much alive. There's coming a day, friend. This, this, this right here, this flesh, it'll be gone. It will be gone. But I will still be very much alive. And when you understand that, that the essence of your life, the core of who you are, your inner man, will live eternally. And you will live eternally either in the presence of the goodness, grace, outpouring and abundance of his love, or you will live in the abundance of his fury upon sin. You will live eternal, eternally in one of those two places. I don't think you'll ever get away from me. David said, where can I go from your presence? I don't think you'll ever get away from me. You know, people say that, that hell is the absence of God. I don't know about that. I think that it is his absolute fury. The absolute, untainted 
judgment and wrath of God against sin and the devil and all of his followers. I don't want to be there. But the reality today, friend, is that your, your inner man, the essence of who you are, your spirit man is going to live forever in one of those two places. And when you recognize that, you understand that this physical body and everything that you do in it, with it, through it, is an expression of that purpose for which you were created. When you understand that, life looks really different. So how do you know if you love God with all of your soul? How do you behave? You know how you love God with your heart by what you speak. You know if you love God because of how you live in this body with your soul. You know how you... Do you hear me this morning? You know if you love God with all of your soul because of how you behave in this body. You understand the purpose for why you were created was not to satisfy your sinful desires. You were created in His image. You were created with His purpose and His plan and His destiny. You were created with the call of God on your life to be His, to be chosen by Him. That's why you were created. It changes how you behave. And I'll say, like I said, with, when I spoke of my own heart, I will say of my own soul, I'm still growing in that area too. <laughs> Lord, help me love you with all of my soul. <laughs> help me love you with all of my soul. And when you love him with all of your soul, you can say like Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's not I. It's Christ who lives in me. And this life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me, who loved me. Jesus said, Verse 30, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. That word mind is the word understanding. That you would have understanding. Paul wrote, I love Ephesians 1. I'm going to flip over there because I want to read this. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, he says, Having the eyes of your understanding enlightened, that you might know what the hope of your calling is. He says, I want you to have an understanding. You know, we're really good at, as Pentecostals at being passionate about our emotions, loving God, and we're good with our soul. But a lot of times we leave behind that God wants your logic and your understanding to love God. He wants you to, your love 
to be alive and inflamed and how you understand him and his scriptures and the word of God. This isn't to be his word and who he is is not to just be taken at face value and move on or just a feeling or an emotion or move on or just know that you have a calling and move on. Paul says, I want you to have an understanding of the calling to which you've been called. I want you to have a revelation, have an understanding with your logic and your mind and who you are. Has your mind and your understanding fallen in love with God? You see, when our, when our minds and our understanding fall in love and we love him with all of our understanding, it changes how we view the world around us. It changes how we view science. It changes how we view education. It changes how we study the word. It changes how we look at the universe around us. You see, through carnal eyes and carnal science, they tried to explain away this wonderful creation with big bang theories and, and science this and science that. And they try to use math to, to add it all up. But it doesn't add up in the, in the math of God. It doesn't add up in the science of God. But when we allow our logic and our reasoning and our understanding to be inflamed with the reality of the love of God, all of a sudden, all of a sudden we see this world no longer as a science project. We see science telling us about how good God is. We, we look at the stars in the heavens and we see the, the beautiful photos of, our, of the vast uh, expanse of the, of the skies and the universe around us, and we no longer scratch our heads and we think, hmm, that looks like a great big bang. <laughs> but we see the vastness of God and how he holds, the Bible says, the universe in the expanse of his hand. When I see the expanse of the universe and I look at scripture and my logic says I love God with all of my understanding, with all of my understanding, then I see the vastness of his power, the vastness of his majesty as he flung the worlds into creation. us. Lord, may our logic and our understanding fall in love with him all over again. When you read in scripture, listen, friend, don't just read the words on the page. Let your understanding be inflamed by the Holy Ghost. Don't just read the words on the page, but allow the Holy Spirit to bring depth and understanding through his word that you can fall in love again and again and again, that you love him with all of your understanding. When you hear sermons preached, don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Take notes. Ponder it. Meditate on it. Allow the Holy Spirit to expand your understanding. When you pray, I said it this morning in our prayer time, when you pray, don't just walk around aimlessly without your head involved. We need our, listen, I know that in church, I'm going to help you, okay? So don't get mad. 
I'm just going to preface what I'm about to say. Don't get mad. I'm trying to help you. Most of the time in church, we, head, we, we deal with headlocked people who are all in their mind trying to logic and understand. And, and, get, and there's no spirit. There's no spiritual inspiration at all. It's just logic, logic, logic. And, and believe me, that's frustrating. Because <laughs> there's some things logic is not going to understand. Natural logic will not be able to understand supernatural God. But when you love God with all of your logic and you allow the same spirit that inflames your heart to inflame your mind and your understanding, the two will connect. Spirit and truth will connect. So when you pray and when you worship and when you study the Word, because you study the Word, right? And you pray, right? And you worship, right? Everybody said amen. amen. When you do that, don't do it aimlessly. Hmm. This is, this is what some Christians do. Wonder what page I'll open up today. That's where. Don't do that. Don't do that. You say, well, when I got born again, I did that and it worked. And you've been born again for 15 years, 20 years. Stop living like a baby. Engage your understanding. Love the Lord your God with all of your understanding. As mature believers, that means you have a systematic study of the Word of God. Good preaching, Pastor. You study His Word. It means that you dig in, whether that's with a devotional or a study tool or on your own, diving into the Greek and the Hebrew and the words and other, read other translations. Engage your understanding. God gave you logic he gave you understanding. He gave you the ability to reason. In the natural, yes, the carnal nature of reason and logic is self-centered. It's broken. But, and, and that has become the excuse for many churches, pastors, Christians to say, well, we don't need logic, reason, and understanding. That's wrong. It's not biblical. Jesus said, love God with all of your understanding. It would not be the greatest commandment if it weren't true. Okay? So, study the Bible. And allow God to expand your understanding. It's wonderful. What happens, if you, I, I, let me explain it like this. If you... If you want to turn on a light in this back room over here, and you just want to light up a, a little room, you could go buy a lamp at Walmart or Target or wherever, come plug it in, turn on the light, and you've got light, right? But if you want to light up a stadium, you're not going to go buy a lamp from Target or Walmart and plug it in somewhere in the stadium and expect the stadium to light up, right? 
So if, if you want just a target lamp revelation of who God is and experience with God, then go to Target and get your target lamp, plug it in, and have a target lamp revelation of who God is. But if you want a stadium full of revelation and understanding and experience, then you got to get the right set of lights on. Now keep going with me, because y'all laughing, but keep, keep going. I'm going to help you a little bit more. So when you plug that lamp in, what's flowing into that lamp? Power. Now, y'all use your understanding right now. Just process that out. Somebody should be shouting about now. I shouldn't have to tell you what's next. You plug it in, you get, you got to have power, right? Okay, use your understanding. Who gives you power? The Holy Ghost. You shall receive power. See, y'all are smart. You got understanding. Use it. So if you want power to light a room, you can have power to light a room. But if you want power to light a stadium, right, you got to plug it in the Holy Ghost. The, the degree of power you want, you, get to, you can have as much or as little as you want. You can have as much or as little as you want. I choose, I want more. So when you connect to the Holy Spirit, what does He do? He gives you power to have understanding. He reveals the love of God in your heart to have understanding. Love Him. I love God with all my understanding. So that's studying the Word. When you pray, don't just walk around aimlessly when you pray. What's, that, what's the movie where the ladies, is it, uh, oh, what's the movie? She's like going through, have you ever seen the clip? I wish I had the video clip where the prayer closet where she's, war room. She's like, <laughs> she's like engaging. Remember that? You know that movie? If you haven't seen war room, you should see it. That, my friend, is engaging your understanding when you're praying. It's not just emotional hype. It's knowing who God says He is and what His promises are, and you pray those. You declare those, right? Don't just aimlessly walk, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Lord, I worship you, Lord. And there's a place, don't get me wrong, there is a place for just saying, thank you, Jesus, I love you. Oh, that's great. But when you are praying, Pray with your understanding. Paul said, I pray in the Spirit, and I pray with my understanding. Is this clicking for you? Okay, so we pray in the Holy Ghost, and our prayer language, and that is our, that's a heavenly understanding. That we don't, we don't know what we're saying. We're edifying and ourselves. We're praying the will of the Father in a heavenly language. But it is a heavenly understanding. We don't get it in our, in our natural self, right? But when we pray in our understanding, we're engaging our logic and our reason and, and the understanding of God's Word. So we dance between the two. Now here's what happens. When you pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues, He inflames your understanding. Remember the power? So as you pray in the Spirit, you increase the flow of His power to enlighten your understanding. Spiritually, spiritual things cannot be understood with the mind of the flesh. 
We know that. We know that the mind of the flesh, the Bible says, is enmity with God. There's a, it's, there's a conflict. But when we pray in the Spirit, He's building our spiritual mind, our spiritual understanding, so that we can understand greater degrees of what God is saying and speaking to us through His Word. And the Holy Spirit, FYI, will never contradict the Word. Okay. So love the Lord your God with all of your understanding. And as I have said with the others, <laughs> I am not there yet either. I'm still allowing, Lord, I wonder if there will ever be a day where we'll be able to 30,000 foot view our love for God from our heart, our soul, our understanding. How will God hold us accountable for what we do with our understanding of Him and how we love Him in our understanding. You see, when you, un when you love God, we've talked about our heart, when it loves the Lord, it affects what we say. When, when our inner man, our soulish man, our spirit man, the essence of who we are loves God, it affects how we behave. When we understand differently, when we understand the world differently, it changes how we interact with one another. All of a sudden, our, our, our words are affected by our heart. Our, our identity, the core of who we are, is affecting how we behave. When we understand and we operate in understanding, it changes how we interact with one another. We begin to understand one another. Instead of looking at each other through the lens of our own hurt and our own offenses and our own experiences, we have understanding of who each other is, who those around us are, their experiences, their life story, who they, we understand their hurts, we understand their rejections, we understand what they've gone through. We allow God to change how we interact with those around us and the world around us. When we love God with all of our understanding. And then he says, with all of your strength, with all of your might, with all of your vigor, with all of your power, with all of your ability. Do these with everything in you. Devote every ounce of ability and strength and determination and passion. Devote it. Love the Lord your God with all of your strength everything that you can muster, everything that you can put into it, love Him. And when you say, how can I love you, God, like you deserve to be loved? I don't have the strength to love you that way. Would you give me more strength? Would you give me more ability? The God of all power, the God of all strength, the one who enables me, the one that in Him I live and move and have my being. Lord, would you give me the strength to love you more? God, would you give me the strength to love you how you deserve? God, would you give me the strength to love you, to love you how you deserve to be loved? Love the Lord your God, Jesus said, with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your understanding and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, and then Jesus followed it up. And he said, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, it's not until you put God in his appropriate place of love in your life that you can love yourself how you should be loved. Until you say, God, I need to love you with all of my heart. I give you my hurts, my rejections, my fears and my worries, the things and my emotions and my passions that would keep me from loving you. It's not until you say that that you're able to love yourself past those hurts, rejections, fears. How many of you know that it's those experiences that often cause us to not love ourselves the way that we should love ourselves? But God says, if you will give me those and you love me with all of your heart, the second commandment is that you love others as yourself. You've got to be able to love yourself in order to love others. And you have to love others to love yourself. It's a dance between the two. He didn't single them out and say, well, you love yourself and then you'll love others, or love others and then you'll love yourself. He put them in, in a rhythm together. You must do both together. And the only way to do that is that you love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your understanding, and with all of your strength. You see, it's when we put God in His place, a first love that all the other areas of our life come into alignment and we're able to love others and love ourselves. If, if, the, if the, excuse me, if you're understanding, if understanding, love God with all of your understanding is not in alignment. It impacts how you interact with those around you. You don't understand. There's, there's, no, there's no love for them, no understanding of them. But when you have love for God with all of your understanding, you see this vastness of the of understanding of God's love and his nature and his character. And then when you're interacting with others, you begin to see how he views them. And it changes how you show love to others. You give yourself grace and understanding when you don't do it perfectly. I don't know if anyone's a perfectionist like me. But sometimes I need to give myself a little bit of understanding. I need to love myself a little bit and give myself a little bit of understanding. That I don't have to be perfect. Maybe there's an emotion in your heart called fear or worry or anxiety. As you love God and you surrender that to Him, all of a sudden you have faith and peace and you're able to walk instead of fear about how someone's going to hurt you or let you down. You're able to walk in peace with them because you put God first. Maybe with your identity, you're uncertain of who you are, who you were created to be, and it causes uncertainty in how you interact with others. Maybe you don't know who you are, and so you question your own value 
You question your own God uniqueness in your life. You question how God's made you or created you because you don't know your identity in Christ. But when you love God with all of your soul and He begins to align your identity and align, align who you are in Him, then you're able to all of a sudden love yourself and appreciate who God's made you to be. Instead of beating yourself up and talking smack about yourself and talking about how horrible you are. Come on, don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. I know you all do it. Don't look so spiritual. I'm a loser. I can't believe I didn't do that. We say all these things. But when you begin to love God with all of your soul and He aligns who you are, you don't say those things anymore. I love God. God doesn't say that about me. God, that's not what God told me. He told me He loved me. That I'm His masterpiece. I'm created in His image. Unique. That's not a, that's not a prideful statement. You're, you're, you're saying who God is. You're declaring who God is in your life. And it aligns. So when you love God first, then you're able to do the second and greatest. He says, the second commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I just want to wrap up with that thought. Worship team, you can come on back or I'll just keep going. <laughs> Galatians, uh, let me read this, actually. Let me go over to Galatians. Galatians 5. It'd really help if I actually wrote notes before I preached this. <laughs> Galatians 5.14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. So Paul's echoing this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But verse 15 is wonderful. But if you bite... <laughs> Anybody bite? You know, we say that. I don't bite. Some of you bite hard. There's a joke in ministry. Sheep bite. <laughs> None of you. <laughs> no, not in anybody here. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. He who eats gets ate. So if you, if, you, if you bite, you will get eaten. That's a good biblical truth. You, somebody should go Facebook tweet that or whatever. <laughs> Facebook tweet that. There you go. <laughs> if you bite, you will get eaten. Bible truth. So we need to love. Jesus said love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is a great paradox here that he, he puts both of them, and I said it earlier, he puts both of them in a rhythm together. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is a dance. When God aligns, when, when y'all can ting-ting on the ding-ding. When, I'm telling you, I'm going to keep going until y'all start playing. When you put God first, that aligns 
the ability to do this dance. Love others, love yourself. Love others, love yourself. We often get tripped up. Maybe this is just me. But we often get tripped up where we evaluate our lives based on how we love others. Because as Christians, we know we should love others. And Jesus has told us they'll know you by your love, right? Love for, for each other. So we know that love is important. And, and it is the very root foundation for Christianity. We know this. So we often evaluate ourselves by how much we love others. Man, I'm, I'm just rude today, or I'm angry today, or I'm, and we evaluate and assess ourselves on our love with others. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, but goodness, it ain't going to work. If you're noticing that your interaction with others is off, and you're not loving others, it's not because that's the error. The error is in where you're loving God. You're, the, let me just let me zoom out here. In culture, we have racial tension, wars and rumors of wars and all the things that are happening. Jesus said it very simply, the love of many will grow cold. Where does that love originate with? We don't have love for God, first greatest commandment. The byproduct of all of that is that we have tension, strife. We start biting one another. So, if you're edgy at work tomorrow, instead of saying, how can I love others better, ask, how might I need to love God more? I predict that you might be edgy because you're not trusting Him in some area. I predict that you might be edgy because, you know, people say, well, you didn't get enough sleep or you didn't do this, you didn't do that. You know, all of the, there's a root cause to all of it. There's a root cause to all of it, and it all goes back to how you love God in your heart, your soul, your understanding, and your strength. It all goes back. I see this in spiritual matters. I see this in practical. When I deal, I, I you know, it's, I do, it's, it's so funny how God aligns all the various worlds. I, you know, I do coaching, and when I do coach training, I train coaches, and we talk about core roots of problems in the secular world. I'm talking about in the secular. It all goes back to these. Heart, soul, passions, your strengths, and your understanding. All the time I have coaches say, wow, there's only four things I'm really coaching then. Yeah. Everything, anybody, they could bring any millions of problems to you, and it all, always goes back to the four. It's crazy how God has it all set up. So instead of evaluating yourself by, well, how do I love people? Ask yourself, how do I need to love God more in this? Maybe this is a heart issue. 
Maybe it's a soul issue. Maybe it's a Maybe it's a strength or passions, ability issue. Maybe this is an understanding issue. But how can I love God in all of those areas? Why don't you stand with me this morning? Is this helpful for anybody this morning? Love first. Love first. Can I give you two last things? I'm sorry. I do. I want to give you two last things. We're, we're here, and it's so, so critical. Two last points, and I'll, we'll, we'll worship. We'll, you'll, we have a business meeting. I know. Two last things, and I'll say them at once. Forgiveness and honor. If you want to know what's the, everybody wants the secret sauce. What's the secret sauce? How do we make this work? How do we make this work? How do we make love God, love yourself, love others? How do we make it work? When you begin to fall in love with God, I promise you two things that he's going to deal with you about immediately. Forgiveness and honor. They may come with different terminologies or names. Forgive yourself, forgive others, forgive God. Some of you this morning need to forgive God. God let you down. He broke a promise, you say. Whatever the case, you need to forgive God. Say, I need to forgive God. Yes. You can have an offense with God. Maybe you need to forgive someone else. Maybe there's an offense between you and someone. A hurt. Forgive them. Because I promise you, when you go to love God, you have an offense in your heart. You know, the first thing he's going to say, leave your gift at the altar and go deal with that. Because one of the other firsts that Jesus teaches us is it's called forgive first. So not only do we love God first, but he tells us forgive others first, then worship. So forgiving, now this is good stuff, I know. You're going to throw things at me here in a second. Forgive, forgive forgive. And here's where you're going to throw something at me. I know. Forgive yourself. We let ourselves down all the time. You say, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe. Believe it. You did. You done did it. Believe it. Be like the rich young ruler. What lack I yet? I did it. Where do I lack? I did it, Lord Jesus. And don't run for the hills when Jesus tells you what you need to do. The rich young ruler ran. Don't run. Do what Jesus tells you to do. So forgive, forgive, forgive. Forgive God, forgive others, forgive yourself. And then secondly... That was three, I know, but forgive, three sub-point, anyway. And then, number two, honor. The Bible says to outdo one another with honor. I talk a lot about honor because when you love God, you love yourself, you love others, Paul tells us that we should study, study others, and how we can honor them. 
do you know that not everyone is, feels honored the same way that you do? There are some in this room right now, if I were to call you out in front of everyone, you would be absolutely embarrassed. It would, you would not feel honored. You would feel dishonored. But some of you, if I were to call you out, I won't name any names. I know some of you. But if I were to call you out in front of everybody and say, great job, you did it, you would feel like, I did it. Yeah. Everybody's different. So fine, study ways to honor one another and do it. Someone, it may be handing them a $10 bill and honor them here or a gift card or whatever. Some people, it might be, you know, sending them a note card or telling, you know, whatever. Find ways to honor. Can I pray for you? You know, if we spent all of our time just practicing what I just taught today, if we just, if we could just zero in on this for, next, for the next 12 months, how do I love God? How do I love others and myself? and strive to walk in forgiveness and honor with one another. My goodness. What could happen? I mean, really. That's why the Jude... Oh, my goodness. I got to stop, y'all. I got to stop, y'all. Jude. Jude. Heather's giving me a look. You got to stop preaching. Jude, I'm telling y'all, I don't even have any notes. I just... The Holy Ghost is just... One right after another. Jude, Jude says, Jude and Jude, oh goodness, 12, 12, 13, 14. He says, these people are stains on your love feast. So what are we talking about this morning? This is a love feast. <laughs> we're prepare, I've been preparing a banqueting table all morning. It's a love feast. All morning, love, feast. He says, these people, who is he talking about? People that are uh, in sin, living in sin in the body and refuse to deal with their sin and their heresy. He says, these are stains on your love feast. And then his admonishment to them, he said, but you, beloved, in verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, Keep yourself in the love of God. So don't become a stain to my love feast. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't become a stain in our love feast. How do you do that? You pray, beloved, in the Holy Ghost, building yourself up, edifying yourself keeping yourself in the love of God. So, pray in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I should call it quits. I'm going to keep going. Thank you, Jesus. In your promises, my confidence, Lord, it's your faithfulness.